Something very sudden. I'm halfway through washing my hair. Finish it, he said. I've got nothing better to do. Christmas was over, the new year not yet born, and as far as Vern was concerned, those few days between the two just wasted time. Six years ago he'd wed a widow with a modern sawmill and a nice house in town. She was no farmer's wife. He'd put a manager in on his farm and moved into town to learn what he could about her sawmill. There was money in Woody Creek Timber. There always had been, though it was hard fought for until a few years back. Three big modern mills to the north, west and east of the town had changed all that. Six days a week, folk lived with the constant shrieking howl of the big saws, the constant stream of bullockies hauling logs in from the bush, of drays hauling cut timber up to the railway yards. There was a shocked, lost feeling to the town when the mill shut down over Christmas, a lonely, waiting feeling which Vern shared. His wife didn't enjoy having him underfoot. His housekeeper didn't enjoy him poking around in her kitchen. He'd been roaming, looking for something to do, and now that something had happened. He followed Gertrude into her house, which was only a house by reputation. Rough-built fifty years ago, it was a two-roomed hut, its front door opening onto a clutter of kitchen table, chairs, stove, cane couch, washstand, dresser, big old Coolgardy safe, and no room to swing a cat, if she'd had one to swing. What time did it happen, Vern? Your daughter found her around ten. In the dunny. No. Fact? No. As true as I'm standing here. She told Ogden she hadn't sighted her mother-in-law since breakfast and thought she must have been lying down. She said she went down to the dunny and there she was, skirt up, bloomers down. Oh, my God. What a place to breathe your last breath. Yep, but as Mo Kelly said when he saw her sitting there, it's sort of poetic justice. Maybe it was. Cecilia Morrison was an overweight, overbearing bugger of a city dame who'd suffered from a severe case of delusions of grandeur. She and her station master's son, Norman, had moved up to Woody Creek eight years ago, and two years after that, Amber, Gertrude's only daughter, had wed Norman. Amber must have got a shock. She's running the show. Norman being Norman is... Being Norman, Vern said, and no more needed to be said. That marriage had been a recipe for disaster, even without a live-in mother-in-law. Gertrude had tried to talk some sense into that girl, but trying to stop Amber from doing anything she'd set her mind on doing was like bullfighting with a handkerchief for a cape. A heavy brown curtain hung at a gap midway down the western wall of the kitchen. Gertrude lifted it and disappeared into her second room, as long, near as narrow, more cluttered than its mate, and offering less light. The head of her double bed was against the southern wall, her dressing table squeezed in beside it. She had two unmatched wardrobes set along the western wall, and crates, trunks, boxes, piles of newspapers, and sundry filling the northern end. 
It was an unholy mess. She kept promising herself she'd clean up one fine day. But she had a 15-acre property to run, and on fine days she was busy, and on the other days she was just as busy. For the past 20-odd years, she delivered most babes born in Woody Creek, then stitched them up a few years later, set the limbs of a few. All was someone at her door wanting something, always more pressing things to be done than housework. Anyway, her mess was familiar, and as long as she moved nothing around, she could put her hands quickly on whatever she needed. She removed her turban, tossed the stained towel over the foot of her bed, found a comb amid the general clutter on her dressing table, and proceeded to do what she could with two foot of copper-brown hair. Without fail, she gave her hair a hot olive oil treatment once the dye was rinsed out. No time for that this morning. Maybe tonight. A scent apart, and she combed it over...